Let's stop acting weird. Let's let's get. I mean, it's not acting weird. You know, it's just it's different because I've gotten so used to because you know before it was the live, so we were just like set up. We right. knew we were going live at a time. We had like people tuned in at a certain time, and then we've been getting used to doing it in person. Like we vibe off one another off one another's energy before we get started. So. We don't have that luxury now. It's yeah. back to it's like a giant FaceTime call. I didn't right. do Uvu. I didn't do Uvu and shit back in high school. Did, did, I was by you earlier, but that never mind. Blah 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 blah. Huh? Hmm? <laughs> what the hell do you think? It's it's don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm still salty that everybody's freshly emptied. <laughs> yeah, be like that Let's talk about something new. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm salty. This is sad. I'm over here turning myself on, stirring up a motherfucking potato in the middle of the night. I'm gonna come take all the potatoes out your house. That's why. That's why I had asked you. I asked, was this the prep session, or were we gonna? Are we? Because I was in the bed. <laughs> Oh man! I threw on my hoodie. I was like, "All right, I'm going downstairs. I'll be back." Oh man! Oh, I love that. That's that's a beautiful. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. But I'm salty. Oh man! So, is this just gonna go to like the streaming service? Like, even though this is a video, is it still just gonna be audio when the people listen? Yes. So uh, what I do is after this is done, I save it and I isolate the audio and I like play with it. And then, yeah, we're done. <laughs> and then I, then I have to edit it. Then I have to cross it over into my actual editing. And then I have to add the music and all that stupid shit. And then mm-hmm. it goes to the streaming platforms. I'm going to program it. I'm going to set it up to automatically set up in the morning. So I ain't got to worry about this. Got it. I wrote it all down. Yeah, okay. Like You don't, you don't really care. You ain't got to pretend. I mean, just in case, like, I do something weird. Like, my nose is so iffy right now. That means you got allergies? (laughs) See, if I was by you, I wouldn't care. But now we have a lovely guest to my... What the fuck? No, I... Okay, so talk to me. To me. Talk to that nigga how you would talk to me because that, that nigga is nasty, he's raunchy, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> but at the same time, he is incredibly intelligent, he is incredibly kind. He's he's the fucking man. That's my nigga Shelton. He's one of the few. I, I keep I keep in touch with a lot of people from high school, but there aren't a lot of people that I keep in touch with and I actually care about their lives and like talk to them about like shit I care about and important shit and stuff like that. Shelton's one of those people. Gotcha. So y'all met in high school? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know if y'all knew each other before high school. No, I, I knew him in high school. And it was funny because like he used to hang out with all the, the tree people. Uh, and I was like the the tree people at John Narrett is like all of like the alternative. Let's put it in an alternative bracket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't imply that they're like Nerdy or anything. It's fucking like that. weird, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> fucking weird. I can handle that. That's believable. And I was in like the honors, the honors kids, uh, which was weird because they didn't really segregate themselves, but you knew who the honors kids was because they had all the same classes together mm-hmm. and they hung out. And I was just like, I, I, I was like, I knew I liked him from a distance, but. 
you know, I wasn't in his social group. <laughs> yeah, I was with, so I went, you know, like that weird secession when you're in high school, freshman and sophomore year, I just like wanted to be, everybody didn't know me, I wanted to be popular, I wanted to be cool. And then like junior and senior year, like people knew me and I wanted everybody to leave me the fuck alone. So it was just like, cause I, I had my group, I had the people who I, who I fuck with and it was just like, and then I had early release my senior year. So I was never at school, like ever. <laughs> no, but this is this is how this is how the world works. Naturally, we became closer after we graduated and shit like that. After we started like moving on with life, you know, through social media, you're always connected to people if you're interested. So then it was like, fuck this shit. One time we were like we were talking over Instagram, whatever, and he was coming out for Mardi Gras. We getting drunk together and shit like that. I'm picking this big ass nigga up. <laughs> we are all up and down the city. We have. I was supposed to come up there this year for my birthday before I was gonna. I was gonna go to Costa Rica, but that got canceled thanks to fucking Corona. But I'm definitely coming up there now because they just bought a home, a lovely home. I can't wait to see it. Him and his fiance are my boyfriends in my head. So, oh, <laughs> that's nice. So how you ended up way in DC though? Oh, we didn't introduce ourselves. Is this uh, like it's, it's, it's fine. But this is just five minutes and go keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um how you ended up in DC? What is going on here? Um, so I was in I was in the army for five years. And then when I got out, uh I went when I was in the army, I worked in military intelligence uh as my MOS or my my job when I was in the military. So naturally, after a military career, you kind of move either to D.C. and there's little pockets of people who do what I do um, uh, outside of D.C., but primarily D.C. is the hub mm-hmm. uh, for civilian for, for the civilian job market for my industry. Oh, OK. Well, then that was an easy answer. Okay, so now that he's gotten that technical and boring ass description of why he's in DC, so <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> so we're gonna do go ahead and just get this started. Welcome back to Project Paragon, <laughs> the podcast where nothing's off the table. We believe mental health is wealth, and we are pro mind your motherfucking business. Uh, as always, this is me, your host. Ronnie, aka Coco Butter God, aka Monster in a Tight Shirt, aka is that Goku Black? No, that's Black Goku, aka Ghetto Gordon, aka your bitch's bestie, aka Mr. This Dick Ain't Free. With me as always is my lovely co-host, the incomparable young baby Beulah. Yes, baby Beulah in the building. Some of y'all know me as Racy, aka Project, aka the Project Princess, aka Cherokee Cheekbones, aka the Ghetto Fabulous Princess Two Snaps, aka Lil Jiggle. Hey. <laughs> and we are back again. I, uh, I can't believe I, I get over the nerves every week to do this. And I know you guys have heard a third voice this week. We actually have our first guest, and it's super important to me to have him on. This is this is my man, my ace. This is Sir Shelton Smallwood. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, I don't have a lot of AKAs, but I go by Smallwood, <laughs> and that's just a memorable name that people seem to keep with them for the rest of their life. So, be <laughs> Smallwood it is. Let's do this. <laughs> I like that, straight to the point. You know right. what, something I always wanted to ask you, Shelton, are you related to um, 
to Jonathan and Gerald? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> those are the only other like small words I've ever met in my life, and I've always like hmm, the West Bank is so, so small. Are you talking about Big Gerald? Uh, Gold? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're actually related, but the other guy, I have no idea. Well, that's his brother. The other guy's his brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so our topic is this week. Uh, we want to talk about last week. Jeracia did mention that she wanted to talk on like uh, sitcoms and like, you know, representation and how they resonate with her. You know, she touched on Insecure. So we did say we want to come back to that. So I did, I did bring to mind like stereotypes um, as far as like representation goes in the media. That's always a huge thing. Um, and, you know, actually other topics, other subclasses, I guess you could say were, you know, brought to mind as well. But first, uh, I guess we could, I guess we could just like segue right into this. I'll start with you, Jeracia. So you were talking about like insecure and shit. So it's like, what about that show resonates so much within you? Like, why did you, how do you feel like that's so important, so big? Like you say, okay, so I didn't want to say last week when you said, last week when you said, uh, oh, this is my second time watching it. So I have watched Insecure. Well, I, I have a problem. There's nothing I, on TV. Okay. I have watched Insecure this entirety five times already. Maybe there's nothing for me on TV. But literally every season of Insecure is my life. Like you have people that's like, oh, I'm like Lawrence. I'm like Molly. Like, I'm, well, I would be Issa D. So if you have to think about it, literally everything that has happened to Issa in all single seasons has happened to me. From yeah, Jizzy on? Yes. <laughs> and there was also latex stuck inside of me once before. Mm. Oh, wow. And this is why I say, like, people be like, oh, you just saying it. You relate to the character. I'm like, no. <laughs> it just so you, happened. So, so you said you said there's like nothing else on TV for you. Like, do you honestly feel like there's no other show out there that you, you feel like would resonate within you? No, I'm being dramatic. That one is just the most relatable. Um, I love Snowfall. Love it. I mean, I used to watch Power all the time, and I definitely pronounced all those letters in that word. Uh. Everybody can tell me I need to watch Game of Thrones. They say it started off slow, but then it's just like straight up craziness. Um, I was big on Scandal. Like there, there are things that I watch, and even sometimes like I'll go back and watch like Scandal episodes, but I'm not about to sit down and watch all of it again. But I don't know, something about Insecure, it's just, mm. <laughs> you know. But no, I guess it's because it's super relatable from like the relationship standpoint, the employment standpoint, the unemployment standpoint. Like it's literally like had an old man, things didn't work out because I cheated. Like Issa, you know, hanging out with my best friend, trying to figure all this out. And then in the midst of that foolishness, you know, quotations, like Literally everything was relatable and I got my boo bag, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I was running the wedding, you know, don't judge us, we love each other. But like literally relatable. And it's funny. And I feel so like was, you don't feel like you had any other show 
like you talked to my girlfriends last week. You don't feel like there was any other show that like resonated within you as a kid, like reminded you of like the life you was living. Okay, so I'm gonna take that as a no. <laughs> um, I mean, probably not. Like I was, I was a very imaginative kid. That's that's a word, right? I had a great imagination. I used to like to read. I would watch probably everything I could. So like I was big on Disney Channel when I was young. Like, oh, I'm gonna be on Disney Channel. And then I used to sing. I used to be in chorus. So when High School Musical came out, I was like, oh, what? I'm gonna be. That on- was me. Yeah, I just knew somebody was gonna discover me because everybody knew I could sing in my family. So I just knew somebody was gonna discover me, and I was gonna be on Disney Channel. I used to practice my little tracing. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like I used to be, I used to have like this big imagination. So there were things like when I was a kid that I used to love to watch, like Disney Channel, and like I, I, you know, I told you one time. Yeah, yeah but that's that's not your way, kid. Like a kid, you're gonna be interested in anything. Yeah, I had the High School Musical, like deluxe soundtrack, like it's like okay, this me all the way. I'm gonna be a kid on Disney Channel, then I'm gonna blossom, and I'm gonna have a record deal. Like that felt relatable, but I mean, how many sitcoms did did I really watch as a kid that were relatable? Oh, I watched a lot. <laughs> what about you, as a kid? I mean, so as as a thing, the reason why I say this is like everybody has though. Those shows, I don't know everybody, but I know when I had when I was younger, I would watch these I'm shows. Younger than you, hmm? mind you, I'm also younger than you. So like for me, you're not you're not that much younger I than me. Feel like yeah, I watched a different world, but at the same time, I just knew I was watching a different world. Like I wasn't thinking about like all of the you know stuff, like the seriousness of well, well I, I always watch sit in front of the TV and watch a different world, like, but. So you never, you never like eternalized and like took in the the story, like the plot, like oh no, I guess I was just always weird. But no, so when I, I when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, think about like that '70s show and shit like that. So you know, you 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 think about how that compares to your life. For me, I discovered shows like Scrubs at an early age. There was this show called City Guys, and my brother and I used to watch. They used to teach like all these after school special type ass lessons, and then it was like especially for like. Shelton, you and I are so similar, where we were always going to be like the weird black kid in the room. So I was always, I guess that's why for me, I did that. Like I always looked for someone who had a personality similar to mine in some form, like in the media. And because I knew the chances of me seeing that representation in a black form, like me feeling, you know, like I have something in common with like a black character, I just started reaching, you know, taking in everything. So that's why like, I love anime so much. That's why I can watch shows like Sex in the City and be like, man, I'm such a fucking Carrie. But sometimes, you know, I'm such a Miranda. You know, this is why I can do that because I just wanted something that reminded me of how I was thinking, how I was feeling. Did we watch shows in order when we were younger? Like, so much stuff was in syndication. No, we just watched whatever was available to us. And that's why I think nothing really related because it's not like there was a continuation like with insecure it tells a story when i was mm-hmm. younger, sitting down watching tv i had this 30 minute episode and then it was just like i just watched this episode it wasn't like a chronological story for me even though there were things that like i watched and paid attention to like i I don't remember like the order of when Jamie and Fancy was dating and then when they broke up and then when they got married. I just watched the episodes as they came on. 
So one episode, she'll be dating Silas or whatever his name was. And then the next episode, she'll be with Jamie. So, so much I don't know. I loved living single. I just knew I was going to be Maxine Shaw, attorney at law, okay? At least you guys have like normal TV shows. I mean, when I was growing up, I came home from school and watched uh, Paranormal Activity on like Channel 32 every day. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at all of those like haunting, the haunting in Connecticut and all the little haunting shows that used to come on. That's all I used to watch growing up. So wait, you, you didn't watch like the class, so like the classic black shows, classic black sitcoms. You didn't watch those growing up? The only one that I can kind of say I saw was Martin. Really? Wow. So like no Wayne's Brothers, Different World, Cosby Show, Cosby. Really? I think part of this is a part of like my story, right? And I think it's because, you know, this is, you know, everything goes real deep for me super quick, right? You know what? I'm glad you said that. So this is the perfect opportunity Tell your story. Okay, so let's start with childhood. So I grew up, I grew up Jehovah's Witness, and um, a lot of people didn't know I was Jehovah's Witness because I was ashamed to tell people it growing up. And, you know, I didn't celebrate my own birthday, no holidays, nothing, my entire, like, childhood until I ran I ran for freedom at 17 and I went to LSU. Um, Let me make you think about I'm sorry. Huh? Say again. That made me think about Amish people because I used to watch that little show, like the little Amish kids when they used to have that moment to go into the world. But never mind. Yeah, it's definitely a a variation of cult life uh, in the South. But um, so I grew up Jehovah's Witness and you know, just to kind of hit on that question a bit, uh, when I say it goes super sad, super quick, is because um, I think that the reason why I didn't indulge into a lot of Black culture when I was a kid is because, you know, childhood mind me saw that as relating it to being bad or having bad character. And that's some of the things that's systemically ingrained into us, you know, growing up, especially when you're around a lot of ignorance, right? So some of my, um, like my dad, you know, would, would probably be the first person to introduce like racism to me. And he would always tell stories about like, you know, his his experiences with segregation, his experiences with racism when he was in the Marines, just, uh, it, it came off as a lot of like inflammatory and like hate just based off of his experiences. So. I think for me, I internalize that as, okay, if I don't act black, right. um, you know, I will have a better life or I won't end up dead or in jail or, you know, there's a different path for me. Um, but that's a good segue just to kind of touch on your, your question a little bit, but back to like, you know, my story. So after I moved out of uh, my high school sweetheart, uh, we had a kid together, um, and that's Spencer. It's my my youngest, and uh, although although um, we got to we got together in high school, but she got pregnant and had a kid with some another guy, 
Uh, and then we got back together after that. Yes, yes, yes. Shake, shake the heads. Yeah, I want to talk to this is a bumpy ride, how I get here. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful ending. Oh, God. We yeah, so I was not ready for the you know program. So she had a kid with another guy. Um and we got together when um she was about unlike newborn, um, because he was absent, unfortunately. Uh and pretty much I've been the only father figure in her life. So she has no idea uh that I'm not biologically her father, but I did the Alpha David at Huh. At 18 years old, oh wow! 18 years old, I did the Alpha David, and I'm on a birth certificate as if nothing. There's no paper trail because he never even signed a birth certificate. Uh, and then Spencer came, and then we got married. Um, and then uh, it's interesting because you just think that it's going to be a happy ending. Nope. <laughs> I. I'm at LSU and I'm working, you know, I have my two kids and I'm working my jobs. That I was working at, I believe, like Carablas and Baton Rouge. And I was working at uh, Outback Steakhouse. I was working two server jobs uh, and going to LSU. And I just said, this is just not the life for me because when I go home, I have crying kids. Like, I don't want, you know, the kids to experience angry dad every day. So, um I said that, you know what, I'm going to join the military and I'm going to figure out college. And that's exactly what I did. I, I joined the army and I did really good on my ASVAB and all of that stuff. And I, I landed a job in military intelligence, knowing that it would set me up outside of the military. Because, I mean, I was never that guy you ever projected going into the military, ever. Yeah. I was, you know, the honors geek. I was in, you know, calculus. I did advanced government. I was on a debate team in John Arid. I was a president of the Spanish Honor Society, which is ironic. Um, <laughs> and I was the first black president of the Spanish <laughs> at John Arid High School, class of 2011. Hell you. Um, but anyway, so I... Uh, I shipped I shipped off to basic training, you know, support the family. We're going to have a better life, right? Uh, I get a letter in the mail while I'm in basic training saying she's pregnant by somebody else. Uh, she's pregnant again by somebody else. And instantaneously, I was like, well, uh, I guess we got to get that divorce because I'm not about that life. Like, I think that that was like that pivotal moment in your life that I think it accelerates maturity. I think that's the easiest way to say that. Uh, just to know that I was going to be uh, co-parenting and not what I had in my head of this vision of a family. Right. Um, so, uh, and that was also the birth of Phineas, AKA my whole face, what I named my whole face. <laughs> uh, so Phineas was born, and I have a huge tattoo of Phineas right here on my arm. <laughs> um, and if you knew me by Phineas, you knew a very dark, not very dark, just very just experimental. Let's leave a it ho a hotastic Shelton. Yeah, and interest. Mm. I'm here for <laughs> it. Was definitely an experience, but. Um, but yeah, so I'm in the military and, you know, culture shock, right? I've been in New Orleans my entire life. I haven't 
really experience the different types of people and all of that good stuff. So I go to basic training and like there's this guy trying to kill himself because he's like running. The reason why he joined the military was a runaway from his dad and he was gay and uh, homophobic. So he ran to the military. And then when he experienced, uh, I guess, rejection from other military members, like he, you know, just was like, I have nowhere to go. No one's going to accept me. Um, so I experienced that in basic training. I experienced people who just been through like rape and all kind of things you could imagine. And for me, what that experience did to me on top of like, you know, getting cheated on and knowing that I'm getting a divorce while I left my, the comfort of my own life to, right, to provide for, to provide right. for the family. Um, I just, kind of just took the time to invest in figuring out who the fuck I was, right? But I'm I'm still 19 and I have two kids and I don't really know what life is. And I've been out of my parents' house for a year and some change. So it's just, I don't really know what that is. And for me to experience all those different types of people, it one, although I had a lot of animosity and anger towards like my childhood, I, um, I uh, I accepted it and I was like, you know what? I had a different experience growing up, but I wasn't raped. I wasn't abused. I, I never went without food, water, electricity. You know, I, I had a, a level of appreciation for my childhood. And and then the whole phase was born. <laughs> and it was funny because people used to like in the military, you like shower with a bunch of dudes and like when me in high school, like I would go in my little corner and change and make sure like I'm not looking at nobody, nobody looking at me kind of thing. I like I always thought it was a just a uh, toxic moment for me to be right. in a gym locker room with a bunch of dudes. I just like I don't I don't want to see anyone. I want to be by myself. You know, what? it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, when I went to when I went in basic training, I was going to say, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so comfortable with my sexuality, because you have no choice but to be. You're literally showering with like 50 other men. And like, you can't walk around and just like pretend you don't see. Nigga, you're surrounded by dick. Like, you can't. And you no, know, I hate when fucking men be like, man, I don't be looking at another nigga dick. My nigga, even if you're not consciously looking at a nigga's dick, you're going to, it's a, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't and- avoid a I, yeah, I agree with you on that one. And it's, I, I used to tell all my friends, I used to like just die laugh at me when I said that, you know, that's how I found out I had a big dick. And when I went to basic training, cause I saw everybody else dick and I was like, damn, I must got, I got some heat oh, over here. Same, I got some heat. Nigga, same shit. It's the craziest shit. Cause it was like all these big ass dudes. Cause, okay. So when I, when I shipped off the basic training, I was, I was pretty, still pretty fat. I think I, when I made it to basic training, I weighed like 279. And like, so I was, I, but I was still like kind of swole big. I started working out and shit before, you know, getting in shape and shit. So, but I was fat swole. So I get there and it's like all these big ass white dudes. I see them. I'm like, I was like, damn, man, I don't want to go in there. Cause I used to feel like I'm a, okay, I'm a grower, not a shower, but I got a big dick. So I used to feel like my shit was small and shit. And I walk into this room and see all these big ass giant and put these itty bitty peas. I'm like, the, the nerve of me to ever feel some type of way. But I had this really weird experience when I was younger. So I used to sleep, 
you know how uh, there's a stereotype in like black families they're always like oh don't you go sleep it we don't want you sleeping by nobody's house because people weird just that and the third so there was this this one of the white kids i grew up with west we go i used to sleep by his house and shit so his parents were like moving the countertops and shit like doing spring cleaning so we, they told us like you guys got to go outside you know ride bikes go to the park and stuff you know for two hours stay out of the house so we have to pee so we're peeing outside the house and it's like you know naturally we're hiding in our little corners you know like Sheldon said right we're covering ourselves and i turn around i'm zipping up and he's smiling at me he's like boy you got a big dick and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) so after that i was like but that was like that was i I cracked a joke about foreshadowing that was foreshadowing because as an adult i know now white men are so secure in their sexuality that they don't give a fuck about shit like that. And yeah. everyone should be, everyone should be that secure, secure in their sexuality because at the end of the day, I could walk through a crowd of naked fucking men with their dicks in their hand. I don't give a, as long as they're not touching me, as long as they're not like slanging their dick, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep my head forward and keep pushing. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Right. right like, but anyway, Shelton, I'm sorry. Continue your story, sir. Yeah. Uh, I, I just say, you know, everything that kind of happened in basic was tra- a transformational experience. Uh, yeah, I, that that was weird. Because, I mean, even though I already acknowledged the fact that I was bisexual, very, like, very, very young, like, acknowledged it my entire life. But, you know, I still didn't want to be, like, caught looking at a nigga's dick or anything. <laughs> Or B, having somebody else looking at my dick because, you know, I don't want to acknowledge the fact that I like them liking looking at my dick. You know what I mean? Like, imprinted and now it's just like you. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I avoided those experiences like 100% uh, just because, you know, I'm I'm an introvert, but I don't give off introvert vibes because I'm wild as shit. Uh <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, pretty much after that, got the divorce and the birth of my whole phase, you know, I was young and reckless. I was fucking military husbands. I was fucking people husbands. I was fucking everybody. Look, I was I used to when I was at on base, I used to get on uh, Craigslist and I used to find like hookups on Craigslist when I was on base. I used to just meet people at the gym. Like that was like the first time. Like I was like I, I at my height of my whole phase, I was having sex like three times a day with three different people, type of thing. It was like before PT, I had there was a dude who was into like sweaty sweaty dicks. I would go straight after the gym, like um, yeah. and then one afterward. <laughs> I was like, it's just you know, it was it, I was. I was in my own lane. Nobody knew the life I lived. And one thing about, I mean, even to this day, if you tell me something, that's nobody else's business. Like whatever we talk about, it's going to be safe. Like I don't, I I have no reason to like, what's, what is the point of this? Unless it's solely about me, I'm not going to speak on it. Right. And that that is exactly how people should live. But I'm sorry. Yeah. I was fucking my colonel, and if you understand military, I was fucking fucking my colonel, and it was funny because every time I was like going formation and see his wife and his children, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'd be fucking the shit out of him." But um, it just, yeah, that's that's 
the military was fun because I got to, only you knew, ma'am. I'd be bending your nigga over. But yeah, <laughs> and I was, and you know what? I acknowledge that that was toxic behavior for me mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to process the fact that my ex-wife cheated on me because I did this like this honorable thing and fuck up this entire plan I had for my life. I gave up LSU. I gave up all this stuff that, that my vision for life for this to happen. So it was, I took it out in toxic manners by getting my nut off multiple times a day. Like I got the, I got chlamydia. I got it all. Like, you know what? I was out here reckless and thank God no AIDS or anything permanent, but you know, raise the roof. <laughs> I was I was in a bad place, and I think acknowledging the fact that I was in a bad place because I didn't know how to process that kind of, that raw emotion because I had a very sheltered life. Like nothing is nothing traumatic happened to me at all, and I was emotional. Right, right, right. I mean, like you know, that's relatable for me because I was basically born on the pew of a church. Like we were apostolic, and half the time people were like, "What is apostolic?" So. You know, I completely understand like being sheltered and everything because I had three older brothers and they were reckless and I saw like them getting in trouble. So I was the sneaky one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, still very sheltered. Like I'm talking about in church five days out of the week. Just me and Jesus. She used to, yo, when I met her, she used to dress like Miss Rayborn. Oh, wow. She used to wear the dresses to the, to the ankles. She used to wear a turtleneck. She had a chastity belt on when I met her. I don't. I didn't know. Funny. <laughs> I used to. I, it's definitely relatable because same. Like when I had my whole phase, I mean, I was in the street like all day, all night, to all day, then all night, like just letting the days run into each other, and working at the same time, working it and working and working it and working. Did, did y'all cry during your whole phase? No. Cry. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. So I, uh, I, yeah, I said cry, motherfucker. So I never had a legitimate whole phase, I guess you should say. Um, be- well, I guess so. When <laughs> I'm about to tell my business, so <laughs> when, my- <laughs> when my ex fiance and I broke up, um, I had this is after my separation from the military. So I came home. You know, this is when it was time for me to figure out a plan because my plan for my life was one day I want to talk about the pressure to succeed for an intelligent, well-spoken black man. Like there's so much fucking pressure. But anyway, so it was like my whole life plan was was interrupted by, by my separation from the military. And I come home and I'm like, okay, so what the fuck do I gotta do now? Thank God I had already enrolled in school. I, um, so I was able to finish in the distance study. You know, I finished, I uh, got my degree in holistic nutrition. I, you know, I was a personal trainer, I was a health coach, I was doing all this shit. I, I was working at, uh, I started, like, got my job like at Texas Roadhouse. And, you know, fuck it, I'm, I'm personal training and doing all this shit during a day. I'm happy and miserable at the same fucking time. Because ultimately, the whole reason I joined the military was to get the fuck out of New Orleans. I didn't want to be back here. So I spoke on it before. The reason why I was separated from the military is because I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Helen, I was uh, told me I was Helen Wills depressive. So essentially, I didn't know how to be sad. So it was either happy or incredibly fucking angry. So, you know, that naturally that piqued my interest in mental health. So fast forward, I'm back home in New Orleans now. And I'm like, what the fuck do I'm gonna, what do I'm gonna do? You know, this is not my plan. So I finished school and I'm like, I hate personal training. I'm like, I'm like, this is fucking miserable. But as a health coach, 
or the dietitian, the only thing I can do is either work in a gym or work in a hospital. And I don't want to work in a hospital because that's boring. And with the, you know, in the creation of Instagram, so uh, influencers and shit like that, my field is declining. Now it doesn't matter that I went to school, you know, for nutrition. It doesn't matter that I, I spent years studying this in kinesiology because now a bitch with a fat ass and a nigga with some fake muscles and steroids can take my job. So I'm, you know, finally I decided to go back to school. I wrote, uh, that's where I met Dracia. I went back to school. Um, I was a double major this time, you know, psychology and sociology. I was finally going to attack mental health, do my thing. My, (laughs) one of the things that triggered my, I guess my little like breakdown when I was, uh, when I was in the Navy was one, I felt guilt uh, because I cheated on my ex-fiance before I left. So I had this high school girlfriend, and you probably remember her, uh, Isabel. So I had this high school girlfriend, right? And uh, I thought I loved her. That was my fucking baby. So we never had sex. Or, we never had sex or anything like that. But she used to always like praise this friend of hers. And he and I are on good time, good terms now. We cool. So I'm not gonna drop his name. But she had this this one friend who was like a very well known man who was like slutting it up on the West Bank. Blah blah. He was short. He was swole. Had blue eyes. Blah blah. blah. She would always praise him and shit. I'm like, you like this nigga some shit, but I never touched on it. So fast forward, we break up. Not only does she date one of my fucking friends uh, at school, Mario Paulino, one of the first like Afro Latinos that really like accepted me, and I, like you know, I started to like feel whatever. So she breaks up with me, and like we're trying to be friends, blah blah. blah. She's telling me she's like, yeah, Jordan plays his guitar, and oh, fuck, I said his name anyway. Jordan uh, plays his guitar and sings to me, and sing, uh, sings to me after we make love. Granted, this was like a week after we broke up. She and I were together for a year and two months. We never had sex. A week after we broke up, she's like talking about how this nigga sings to her after they make love. When I say I went eight shit bananas. But anyway, <laughs> so fast forward. So fast forward. Uh, this is, I cheated on. Retail Robin Thick shit was this nigga on. Right? But well, fuck him. But anyway, be cool now. So anyway, so <laughs> the reason why I cheated on my ex-fiance is because she um <laughs> she wanted to get back with me leading up to my departure uh for basic training and shit. So like I I had it in my head, I was like, I'm gonna play with her. I was like, I'm gonna get her on this rope, I'm gonna string her in, make her fall in love with me again, I'll have sex with her, and I'll never have never talked to her again. So my mama didn't raise me to be no piece of shit. So even though I didn't follow through with that plan, I did like, you know, kiss her and make out with her and shit like that. So fast forward to my stupid ass not having any, this is how you know I was never meant to be a hoe. Yeah, so I fast know. forward, I, I get the basic training and shit. I didn't want to send my belongings back to my mom's house. So I send them to my then fiance's house, like my phone and everything. I didn't think to delete the text messages out my phone of me talking to a girl, you know, about us like meeting up and shit. <sighs> one of my first letters, <laughs> one of my first letters in basic training was about how she put my phone back together, went through my phone, read my messages, and so she's like, even though you cheated on me, I still know you're the one. I can't wait to be Miss Pendleton, shit like that. Yo, that should have let me know that my ex fiance was batshit, was batshit crazy. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast forward when she and I broke up, I I guess my whole phase was I was working at Texas Roadhouse. Everybody knows this. I pretty much slept with every single woman at Texas Roadhouse following our breakup. In like a two month span, if you were single, you slept with me. Like, <laughs> you know, that the, the women that weren't my friends. And I guess I'm not like bragging or something. I'm like proud of that. But I guess that was like my whole phase. Cause within, we broke up on Valentine's Day and maybe like 
that next month, that March, I started working at Redfish. I met my next, most my most recent ex-girlfriend, I met her and we started dating. So it was, I moved on very fast because in my mind, the relationship was already over. But anyway, so it's like, people always told me that since I didn't have like a legitimate like whole phase or legitimate like party, party thing, that I'm gonna like is gonna come back when I'm older, like when I'm settled down and shit like that. But how the fuck would it ever come back if I never was interested in it in the first place? So when I was acting out of character, I didn't know how to how to figure out that I was depressed. You know, when she and I broke up, or whatever. So in a like little two month span, I just slept with all these women. I would be drinking, blah blah blah, and I would cry at night sometimes because like I would want it to be held. <laughs> I wanted to be held. I wanted comfort. I wanted something you know stable, and that's probably why I hopped into another relationship so swiftly and look how well that turned out. Right. Would, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely to add to that, it's, you know, I would say that I knew when I was out there hoeing, like, I I wanted no connection. Like, I, I like, shut off. Like, I don't want to know. The only thing I wanted to know, it, my, my list was, did you have, uh, uh, when is the last time you got tested? When is the last time you got tested? Do you know your status? And what are you trying to do? So I can have realistic expectations. Other than that, I don't want to know your name. I don't want to know if you got a got a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. I just want to know, this is we getting together to do this. We clean, we getting together, and that's it. Like, I don't want to see you. If I see you in the streets, you don't know me. Like, you know, <laughs> like that, was, that was me, and it was... I was like, I knew I was like cold and I like I was resisting that connection. I did not fall for anybody. Like I didn't even know my name. I had I like changed my name like every every like three months. Like I felt like a different alien. And it was funny because I had like top three names. Like I used to say, if you knew me by Phineas, you was a one night stand. If you knew me by Lee, that you know, you just was bomb and I would fuck with you on a friend level. Uh, but if you knew my full name, like I was vested, like I was interested, you knew who I was as a person and I allowed you in to like experience connection with you. And I can say like, in my whole phase, I've learned what I like in bed, what I don't like in bed, uh, how many people I can tolerate at the same time. Like everything you can think of my sexual wish list. I took care of that shit in my whole phase. Three some, four some, 25 some. Oh, like, sweet Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Shelton, can I, I was wondering, so can I talk about why one of the reasons why I, I, I wanted to go out to DC? Go ahead. So we were going to, Shelton and I was going to plan an orgy. And so that was going to be I did tell you about this. I was so fucking excited. Because so 2020 was my year of like experimentation and like living my motherfucking life. So here's the thing. This was your year. Fucking right. And it put Corona canceled it. But you know what? I'm not salty because this still was a year of a lot of firsts and it's it's a good year. I'm grateful for it, even though it's a horrible year. But anyway, so I'd say earlier, like Shelton's one of my biggest inspirations because he's so honestly and so authentically himself and that shit's so rare. And Mm -hmm. I was always confused for like being gay, for like being this, that, and the third. And then it's like seeing Shelton. Shelton's like literally living his life and showing people, okay, bitch, if you want to follow my account, you're going to see how I live my life. You're going to see me kiss my, and I love, your 
Yeah, fiance is so beautiful. You're gonna see me kiss my fucking man. You're gonna see us be hoes. You're gonna see my interests and shit like that. And I'm over here like, damn, man. Like, if we're literally from the same area, we're from the same city, we're the same age. Like, he's literally living his life, and he doesn't give a fuck. Why the fuck can I do that? Why, like, also, um, I don't know which word I want to use. Regional demographic. I don't know. I don't know my vocabulary. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a, a regional thing. It's the South. Yeah, it's just like, ignorant. Yeah, Louisiana is definitely. I call it Louisiana antebellum because like there is no progression. Like you know, Louisiana antebellum. Like we don't do anything with the same as we've always been. We just you know we don't move forward. Everybody feels though everything has to be a certain way. You walk on this side, I walk on that side. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Like we are not progressive in any way. So, I mean, you do have a few people that's down here, you know, doing their own thing to a certain extent. Because, I mean, like, you have people like me. I was like, dang, I'm on a fence. But then it's like, for what? Just do what you want to do when you want to do it. Just like you say, okay, this is my profile. This is me. What do right. I have for? Like, yeah, I mean, point? I like, I think that's like my one thing, I think. Since I actually was kind of processing this when I was on, I love Facebook arguments, by the way. Like I get into like <laughs> these debates, like I was join like these black and black group social groups on social media and we'll be talking about politics and I'll be like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like I'm trying to police my own black people that we got to get out of this, this fixed mindset. But anyway, I love fight. I love a good Facebook fight. But uh, the reason why I bring that up is because I was so used to like my experience growing up Jehovah Witness and I was so used to being isolated from like holidays. Like I think Christmas every year used to be like the most saddest, like depressing month for me as a kid growing up because I didn't get shit. And right. I knew I wasn't getting shit. Nothing. Like, everybody coming to school with their new shoes, their new toys, their PS4s, whatever. All that shit, and I got nothing. So I was like, I used to be like, oh, what you get for Christmas? Nothing again. Like, I got to a point that I got used to being like living, having a different experience. So when I became an adult and I'm like, I'm experimenting with my sexuality and I'm just doing shit, I just don't give a fuck. It's almost as if nobody was listening anyway because I already had that experience. Um, So it was easy for me to just be like, just be myself and not feel like I have to like live anyone's to, towards anyone's standards because at the end of the day i'm the only one who gets fulfillment out of this life so right. i'm gonna live it how i want to live it it's, it's how do you feel how do you feel about the uh the idea that a bisexual man truly doesn't exist yeah i mean i ha, ha, i can i can say the whole narrative like when i came on as bi um, girls, girls automatically just stop fucking with me because I primarily like women of color. That's just my thing. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't like, I don't like, it's not that I'm against white chicks. I just, just don't do it for me. Like, uh, a natural haired, curly brown girl. Like, that's just my thing. Yes. So, uh, at the end, I like them all, but yeah, continue. When I, when I, when I started dating, it was either like, I would be some bomb ass bisexual girls and we would have fun. Uh, but it was never like, I, at large, I was deemed unattractive or undateable by women because I, I said I was bisexual and I like dudes at the same time. And 
that's why I started having sex with so many dudes because as a bisexual person who's not looking for a connection, I can go hook up with a dude in 10 minutes. Like it taken, I literally can get a hookup on demand at any time of the day, any time of the night. Yeah, because on because homosexual men are fucking nasty and grinder be fucking binging, boy. I have a friend and I just like he used to just be telling me all these stories and I just used to be like, dang, I want to be a gay man. Like, wow. Y'all just be having the best time of y'all life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's I mean, for a lot of people, it's like they can't live that life and they're just you know, they get to experience it for the night. So they bring that right in that right sexual energy to it, you know, for, for one, not looking for connection. Right. But like, they'll have somebody in there like worshiping you and they're like, just want to give, like be able to manifest like being a submissive to somebody else, but they can't do that in their real lives because they have to put on this, this fake alpha male hat in their life. So that's why when I was in the military, I was fucking the biggest and the baddest. If you look more like Dwayne Rock, you was six foot five, you was an alpha type. Those are the ones I wanted to fuck. That was I remember. Me. So I so he was back in the day, back when he was a hoe. He used to send me his like pics. He was like, "What you think?" He would send me. It'd be like a mix of dudes, a mix of chicks, and shit like that. And I remember this one big ass dude. He was fucking. <laughs> it was. I think it was right. It was this big black dude. Uh, I remember his Tinder profile. I just remember he had on a blazer or some shit like that. And I don't know. But he was like a typical meathead. And that nigga was big as fuck. So I understand what you mean. But I guess I guess that's just with the... That just goes back with how ingrained it is in the black community. They feel like if you're not one thing, you're another. Like So there's no middle lane for bisexual men. So they have to, like you said, they have to put on this front. They have to be hard. They have to be front. I mean, they have to be, you know, be machismo because they automatically associate with the attraction to the same sex when it comes to men, you're with femininity. Like, you must be, like, soft. They called y'all, you know, sissies, punks, and shit, you know, shit like that. And... My own, like, my own, my my older brother, like, I have two brothers and three sisters. And my older brother does not, to him, bisexual is not a thing. Like, he has New Orleans, like, black dude mindset. Like, it's just not to say that everyone's like that, but you know what I mean when he has those those t- very typical views of like homosexuality. He doesn't say that. He said there's no such thing as bisexuality. I'm just gay, and I was like, I don't really fuck with him like that. So it's like whatever. Like it's not for me. I don't. I'm not seeking for anyone's acceptance here. Like I'm just telling right. you who you are, and it is what it is. Like right. that's that's just it for me. Um, I- it, it took me a second to like, uh, I ain't gonna lie, like naturally growing up, it took me a second to like really understand bisexuality, even though I'm so open-minded and I always tell people the reason why I am so open-minded is because like growing up, there was this transgender one. I, I don't even ever even call it transgender because he didn't make a conscious effort. He just literally like, I don't, I don't know, but I don't want to disrespect either way, but there was, uh, and he was so disrespectful and aggressive with with guys who was very clearly, you know, not attracted. He would like flirt with them right around the neighborhood with his ass out the window and shit like that. So going forward, I'm already surrounded by this ignorance when it comes to the LGBTQIA community. I I, I feel like stay the fuck away from them. That you know, that's some you know some punctious and you know stay blah blah blah. And so growing up, I was naturally very affectionate because I grew up with a single mom. I, I, I like hugs and stuff like that. And I would always hug my male friends, hug my female friends, kiss them on the cheek and shit like that. And then like when 
the feminine guys or like the gay guys would try to like hug me, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, back the fuck up. So uh, I'm like 17, 18 working at Roadhouse and there's this incredibly hilarious gay guy that works with us, Tommy. And, you know, Tommy was like, that's very super affectionate. You know, I was hugging on the women, blah, blah, blah. And he was like hugging on the males too. And when he was trying to touch me, I'm like, no, back up. <laughs> and I really had to ask myself, I'm like, yo, that's not fucking cool. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. And so like, he, I gave him a hug. And after that, I was like, dude, just because someone's gay doesn't mean they want to fuck you. <laughs> like, just because like, you don't want to fuck every woman you see. So why the fuck do you assume that Every just because a man is attracted to men, that they automatically want your dusty ass. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was like, look, when I was hoeing, I was shallow as fuck. Like, I hated, <laughs> I hated the fact, I hated the fact when somebody would the audacity of somebody to assume that I was in terms like, nah, bro, you broke. Like, don't talk. <laughs> Not broke. Uh, it's just you know I think that my whole face in general and that my experience with sexuality is it's you know I can't I can't dismiss the fact that to be uh, a, a man to be LGBTQ to be um uh, to uh, to be man LGBT and LGBTQ and black it's a right. different experience because it's like, right. you know, when I, I, I've had some like very like micro incidents, I would say, either because I was a black man, I, I, I automatically intimidate everyone in my space where I work at. I work around a lot of IT, a lot of scientists. I work, I've worked at NASA. I've worked at FBI. I've worked at in a very not diverse spaces. So I'm used to being the youngest. I'm used to being the only black. I'm used to being the only black male. I'm used to being the only black male LGBTQ person. Uh, I'm used to just being just that. The only, right, the token. Right. And I remember, like, I, I started working, like, for executive leadership at, you know, one of the government intelligence agencies. And I was that young 24-year-old with a master's degree because I graduated my master's at 23 because I was just academically gifted. Right? Go on with your bad ass. Like, everything I was going through in life uh, with the divorce, with the kids, with all that, none of that stopped me from being great. Like, less, less, none of that stopped me from being great. I graduated um, I graduated 21 with my uh, bachelor's and 23 with my master's. And I got out the military and I was making six figures at 24 years old. Like I was, I was that, I was that dude. Like, so that, yeah. that, that thing, like you can never tell me, I said, if I want to live with myself, I would not say that I wasn't a, de- a, a deadbeat dad uh, because I knew that at the end of the day, my kids was going to have everything. Um, so I went out there, I got it and I started working and then everybody was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? And they would see my resume and I got the resume of somebody who's been doing this for 20 years. Like what's like what it is. And and (laughs) so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's my life, but that's also kind of shedding light on like, I've been, I've been the, I've been the unicorn my entire life. Like, and I've been through shit on top of all that. You can right. 
be want and still be yourself. Like you don't have to feel like you gotta compartmentalize yourself inside this box for the sake of other people just to be successful. And I'm one of those people that feel like if you're genuine, if you're true to yourself and you're true to the things you like, good still gonna come to you. Like the universe is gonna respond to that, regardless of who you pray to, what you believe in. If you are yourself, what is supposed to be for you is going to be for you because you're being who you are. So it right. has to come to you. Like, and if you're a gifted person and you still enjoying your life, be, enjoying your life is not gonna just X off you being gifted. Like right. and then you was young, hell yeah. Like you you getting all that shit out the way and you getting money. Like, you know, yeah, that I think that's something a lot of people, a lot of young people, especially in the day of social media and you know, watching people succeed before you succeed and making life a competition instead of realizing sometimes it's a marathon for some and sometimes it's a sprint for others. But like, I think that's one thing people need to know that is important. If you just be yourself, things will come to you. And it's crazy because it'll prove itself to be true. Like I have a great amount of friends, but I have one specific friend that is always caught up in a whirlwind of stuff. Like always, like anything bad that can happen to a person has happened to this person. And it's crazy to say, cause you'll probably be like, dang, what happened to them? But legit. I, I know who you're talking about. All right, mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything bad that can happen to a person, anything that can discourage a person has happened to this person. But I think it's because they were on a journey of finding themselves. Mm-hmm but also not finding themselves. Like, oh yeah, I'm trying to find myself. And in the process of you finding yourself, you like- Just oh, making well. excuses to do stupid shit, pretty much. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. just do you. And it yeah. took a very tragic incident to happen for them to realize like- I need to chill the fuck out. My life could be gone like that and I didn't even do nothing satisfying myself. Right. And all of these years when I was trying to satisfy other people, I didn't do one thing that satisfied me. And for what? Like, just, I, I think that's something a lot of people really need to know, especially young people. Like, just do what you want to do. And but people, a lot of people don't know who they are. So it's it's easy to say be yourself, but the the harder part is figuring who the who figuring out who the fuck you are to begin with. So many people your relationships too. Like you don't even know what you like, and you with somebody. I don't know people were here. I mean, just to add to that, it's like looking at me like where I'm at today. Like I'm 27 years old, and you know I have all these successes, right? And people always like they mention was like, hey, you know, like how did you do it? Like, how did you do this? And I was like, I was just honestly just being myself. And, you know, and I, that's why I can say I can be empathetic to those who want better and truly don't know who they are. Because for someone like me, who's kind of experienced it and been through the dirt and the trauma and all that stuff, I can say, just be yourself. And I'm coming from a place of healing. And the person receiving that message is still hurting. So- right. When the way they receive that is like, what the fuck is that going to do for me? Like, you know, what the fuck do you mean? Like, they don't understand the implications of that because they are in a place of hurt and they just want to not hurt. Right. And 
for me, now that I've like I've started mentoring people, because again, I always pay for it. Because I know there's people just like me. There's that little nerdy black kid who loves anime, or there's that little gay kid who doesn't know how to be themselves. That's why we're here. We're here to show people, yo, it's okay. It's safe. We're here for you. There's so many people out here that are extremely gifted and have great gifts, whether they think they do or not. And it's so unfortunate that we, I mean, we all do it. I mean, Chuck's, I've done it. Like, you know, you, you could be your hardest critic sometimes, especially when you don't know who you are. True, but pe- people also need to remember it's not about where you're from, it's where you're going. So right. a lot of people tell themselves like, oh, I'm from this spot. You know, I'm never going to make it. I'm from here. I-, I can't do that unless I, you know, move weight, you know, I sell some drugs, some shit, or I become a rapper or, you know, I get scouted for some football, some shit like that. Not a lot of people realize that school really ain't hard. Just put your, keep your fucking head down and study. Like, like it's really, it's, it's, if you're dedicated to something, if you're, if you really want something, you have to be willing to put in the work. Right. If you're telling yourself, oh, I want this, to, I, it's going to happen for me, you know, God's going to make a way, or the universe is just going to do it because I'm a, I'm a good person, that's, the universe can only provide so much, God can only provide so much, that can only match if you're actually putting in the work, actually taking the time, sitting down, studying, learning, and not only with school, but doing that within yourself, like, what the fuck do you like? Not not what the social media tell you to like, or what did your parents like, or what did they tell you you should like? What do you like? What do you enjoy? What yeah. makes what likes a fire under your ass? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I'm a perfect example of that. Like, I was in talented in music all four years of high school. I just came out the coochie singing. I had the talent, but I didn't have the skill. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got some people that have come out the womb and just cut up. They have the talent as well as the skill. I was just a talented person. I was in Southern Music four years of high school, and I had people like, oh, I want to train you. I want to train you. I want to train you. And because I knew there were more skillful singers than me, that's me looking at other people that weren't even talented. Like, I was a gifted music student. I had the certification, qualification. Like, I was there. I was in it. But because I knew people that were more skillful than me, even though they weren't in the same program, I'm like, why people want to train me? I can't even sing like, oh, girl. Like, why y'all want to train me? I can't even do what they could do. And it's just like, well, baby, you got the paperwork to go with it. Like, you you got the letters and the numbers behind your name. They're going to want to train you over her because they're trying to figure out why you in the program and she not. Right. And here it is. Like, somebody wants to train me in classical music. And I was just like, mm, no, I'm super straight. Like, I don't think I could do nothing like that. Like, that's that's not really me. And here it is. I'm unemployed. No, <laughs> you know what's interesting about your story is that, you know, as I listen to it, I think I had like a very different experience. Um, and I say I had a different experience because like I felt like nobody was doing what I was doing. Right. So I, I indulged in, into that space because I knew that there was nobody young, black, LGBT. And doing what I was doing at my age. So I felt that motivated me to keep going, to be that that trophy, to be that different person. Uh, because I knew that when I start breaking barriers in, in the spaces that I'm in, I know that more people will follow because right. they have representation. 
But I can't so lie. You took, so you took a token, you took token, and you put a positive spin on it. Right. Yes. Like, okay. Yes, exactly. So. The black church and everybody could sing, and you the one in the pew not singing, and everybody else is up there singing. You like, oh, they blowing. I can't hear <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I was the one that ended up in ta- It's crazy because I ended up in talented music by accident. Well, my freshman year of high school, I went to Easton. And on my schedule, it was like telling to the music. And I was like, what is this? And it's crazy because I auditioned for NOCA and I did not get in. And here it is. I went to school freshman year. I kid you not. I'm looking at my schedule and I'm like, what is telling to the music? The teacher wasn't there for like three weeks. So I'm just going to <laughs> I swear to you, was not there. And you, we had the AB schedule. So like I go on Monday, then I go on Yeah, Monday. I hated that shit. Okay, they're not there. So I'm in the class and all these students like, what you do? What instruments you play? And I do not know what this class is. It was like five people in there. Like it was legit with the music. And all these people like, what you do? What you play? And I was like, I sing, but like, don't nobody know that I sing. Like nobody knew this. Like I just was singing in my house, singing in the children's choir. And I go sit down. And so the teacher finally showed up. He was like, who are you? Where did you come from? Give me your paperwork. When did you go audition? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I ended up going to the audition and they called me the same day. It was like, yeah, you're in a program, whatever. You can stay in there. And I was just like, okay. So I was telling to the music for all four years, all four years of high school, even when I went to high school in St. Tammany Parish. But like I said, I'm seeing all these people singing in my church, like people I grew up with on the pulpit, got the glory falling, people passing out, all this kind of stuff. And here it is. I'm in a pew like, yeah. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm at school singing in Italian, singing in French, singing in German. And you got these people I ain't never seen before. Like, yeah, I want to train you. Yeah, I want to train you. And because I saw all these other people, I'm just like, I ain't got it like that. I can't sing like that. Like so, like, so you felt like you felt like your talent wasn't as valid simply because you saw more naturally gifted singers in the church, which is the wildest shit ever. And I was, right. So you blocked your blessings because other because other motherfuckers basically. come on. That's I a mean, kick you in the kneecap. It's 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 a very unfortunate story to tell, especially now that I look back on it. Because when I when I realized how I ended up in the program, like literally, the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna go to Noka, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna audition, and I'm gonna get in, and then it's gonna be my little after school thing." And here it is, like God just put me and tell into the music. I was singing in Italian at nine in the morning for no reason. Done performed at the French Quarter Fest, got paid to do little shows, all this. Kind I mean, it wasn't for it wasn't for no reason. You still could you still I mean, could I translate could. that into a yeah, you could still translate that talent into a career. I, I still could. I still got all my books, still got all my sheet music. Oh, and you I, can teach, and I've heard you saying you could always teach children. You could do you could do that to make some money. Teach yeah. the black kids. I could do a lot, and I just be sitting on my behind, especially yeah. the music. Like I played the saxophone, I played the piano, I played the guitar, and I'm saxophone. just yes, I'm just sitting here unemployed in Trump's America. It's uh, yeah, oh, two more months, two more months, two more months. 
Let's just say <laughs> it was it was lit in DC uh this week. I was jealous. I was oh, like, y'all, um, I know y'all was turning the fuck up. Um Black Lives Matter Plaza. Oh man. Right in front of the White House. My family, well, a good amount of family in DC. We were supposed to come this year, but we're gonna try to shoot for next year. So we wait. The cases are low here, so you can come here right now if you wanted to. Hell yeah! I mean, his his birthday is tomorrow. We was like, maybe we could just do a quick trip to DC, and then it was like, nah. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like we're gonna go back on lockdown. Facts. Especially here, especially here in New Orleans. Did you did you see that big ass uh, concert they had? It was like a Christian concert at that. I heard about it, and they like investigate. How do you investigate something like that? There's no, because they're trying to figure out who the fuck okayed it. Why did they do it? Because it who went against it? no so right because nobody was wearing like elaborate. It was like a Christian concert. It was a Christian concert. Like this famous singer Lauren Daigle was there, and it was like this huge crowd of motherfuckers all just spreading the fucking Rona. <laughs> and so people are like pissed off. But outside of that, I work in the French Quarter, so I saw what have, I see what goes on in the French Quarter every fucking week. Every fucking week, keep. I'm. You know what? Because <laughs> I feel like somebody will come for me and be like, "Oh, you, you." For one, nobody listens to this podcast that matters. But anyway, so <laughs> like, no people be out in the streets with no fucking mask, not giving a fuck, all huddled up, all over each other and shit like that. And for Halloween, my nigga, oh my god. You you would have thought it was a normal fucking weekend. It was normal bourbon street. Like, people were every fucking way. Streets were packed. Niggas was on a fucking sidewalk throwing up and shit. And the only masks that I saw were fucking costume masks. It was fucking idiotic. I damn near ran home. Mm-mm. Like, I mean, and then all these people probably gonna go home for the holiday. And that's just gonna mm-hmm. be words like killing killing grandma and then they're gonna be fucking killing. grandma on those ugly ass airbrush shirts mm-hmm. them airbrush mm-hmm. shirts all over uh, i wish can we leave airbrush shirts in 2020 please i'm begging everyone like retire that with mega hats we started talking about like when people die yeah you sleep when i die let me tell you i need the same banal on the shirt and i need y'all i need me standing in front the same banal <laughs> like uh 400 degrees so when i die i want to be cremated and just just like throw me because i wherever i retire i plan on retiring near water damn sure not the mississippi river so just i want to be cremated and just throw me in the water just throw me in the ocean like fuck that shit. I don't care. Don't keep me in the urn. Don't do that other shit. Just get rid of me. Bodies of water right now. Don't throw me in the ocean. When yeah, I, I definitely want to be eat and just like plant a tree. Like put my little ashes in the ground and plant a tree right there. Right. Hey, I, I, I can take that too on like my family's land. Yeah. Don't see me. Just go sit under the tree and read a book. Yeah, I'm an organ donor. I'm healthy. Like it'll be fine. They got my organs and just just cremate me. Like who, who gives a fuck? Yeah, you could definitely burn me up. Don't put me in no box in this um on this Caucasian land. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Uh, it was it was naturally it was for the natives, but you know. I mean, yeah, for our, for our ancestors, they stole it. They're still, and that's why it's funny because I actually told that to my mom today, and I was told I told my mom that she asked me like, "What was I doing for Thanksgiving and shit like that?" And I said, "Mom, if you pay attention, I haven't taken part in Thanksgiving in like nine fucking years." I was like, "I've." 
I did like a friendsgiving for like my friends last year, but that was simply off the off the mental health strength because working in the French Quarter, there's so many people who aren't from here and they're missing their families and shit during you know during holiday time. So mm-hmm. I cooked a bunch of food and I told friend, told people just come just come over eat you don't have to stay just eat some food you know enjoy the community and you could be on your way. So that was and then I re- then I don't even want to do that anymore. So. I told my mom, I was like, why the fuck would I celebrate the slaughter of our ancestors? And she thought I was joking at first. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm lightly joking. I was like, but in all seriousness, Ma, I was like, we Thanksgiving is so fucking whitewashed and toxic because they're painting over the genocide of a culture and a people, like with fucking turkey and stuff. And you think the you think we were fucking thankful for being raped? For being poisoned, for being sl- like slaughtered, lied to, tricked, and cheated over some fucking corn and some dry ass stovetop, eat my whole ass. Like, yeah. fuck Thanksgiving, fuck Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas food is the exact same shit. And so my mom trans for somehow translated this. My mom's like, so what you want to celebrate Kwanzaa now? I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, why are we not celebrating Thanksgiving and me translating to to Kwanzaa the same thing? Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I mean, at least for me, like I have kids and I didn't grow up with think with Thanksgiving and Christmas. So um the reason why I celebrate it now is more of, of creating positive experiences in my kids' mm-hmm. life. Uh but I don't leave them ignorant to the, the to the actual events that occurred that may have created this. Right. Uh, so we we keep we are very bluntly honest. There's, there's these, these, my, my kids know what sex is. They know what genitalia is. They, they're getting the, I'm coaching them to be adults to grow up. So I'm preparing them for the reality. My uncle did that and my mom hated him for it. I mean, the world is just full of crazy people that, you know, like to do things to children. So I think it'd be best that we educate our kids instead of being like, oh, no, that's no, 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 just let the babies know. It's fine. Just let them know. So now now on that thread, I have to ask a disruptive question because I am a free thinker, right? And I'm always here for perspective. So on that same thread, like I, I like on my journey of like, opening up my growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. On the thread of sexuality, you have LGBTQIA, you have the different very uh, variances in sexual preferences and sexuality in general. Um, and I saw a TED talk and, you know, I'm going to navigate, you know, my experiences through that TED talk because I went from like, oh my God, is this real? To getting outside of my fixed uh my my fixed uh values being projected on how I'm feeling about about this TED talk then after I rewatched it I was able to remove my emotion and look at it objectively and then that helped me at least expand my mind and some aspects of it so the TED talk that I'm talking about was a one that talks about pedophilia and Essentially, the lady, the lady comes up and navigates through an experience of someone who was a pedophile, um, and everyone's knee-jerk reaction is the same, especially in America, because we see it as okay, pedophilia is bad. Like there's no, there's no, there's no exceptions to this rule. 
But the goal of her TED Talk was to show that someone who is naturally attracted to children are younger people, where this is very abundant in a lot of cultures outside of the U.S. Let's not think that the U.S. is the only place on a globe. Yeah. But um, this, this, she narrated a guy who's attracted to younger kids but can't express himself because of what being a pedophile means in America. Mm-hmm. So navigating through, oh, imagine, you know, him having a long, a, this sense of loneliness his entire life, like blah, 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 blah. All of this stuff to lead with, be empathetic to people who are different to you and not just assume that uh, everyone has are are bad because they say there's even a, there's even a little bit of good. I mean, they're they're good that exists in people who are and do taboo things, right? Uh, essentially, so for me, opening up my mind, knowing that you know there's just some people who are pedophiles and they're gonna have to make that decision of do I want to go to jail or get killed by somebody else's parent to relieve myself sexually or B, live a life of loneliness knowing that I'm not able to fulfill myself the way I want to. So I was able to relate that to gays, right? You know, I'm able to relate that to, there's a lot of people like, there. I had people reach out to me and we went to high school with trying to fuck me. Like, <laughs> like, and they got, they got, they got. I, I don't even laugh like that because that was that was my petty thing because it's like everybody thought my big black ass was gay. I'm not yeah. gay. I'm just not afraid to admit if a if a. I don't understand how how we fall into the mindset that you just don't notice that a man is handsome. Like my nigga, we all want to be swole. We all we all want a chiseled jaw. We all want a beard. So how the fuck are we going to pretend that you don't notice? that another man is attractive. The difference with me is because I played sports, because I was in the military, I was, I've been around naked men all my life. And because I grew up with my single mom, you know, my, hearing my mom say, Ooh, man, oh girl, he's fine. So I'm paying attention to men subconsciously. I don't even realize I'm doing it. So you know what I it looks like. exactly. So right. as, a, as a straight man, I can still be like that. that I'm not going to say it like, but that nigga, I can appreciate a fine nigga. Like I can appreciate a fine nigga. I can appreciate a fine bitch. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, I could walk past, I've walked in on my gay roommates having sex. And this and my brother was like, man, I would have been so fucking pissed off. And I was like, why? Right. Why? Then I'm like, why? Right. You, like, I literally. I would have been mad. Shoot, you interrupted my head going up. We looked at, they were literally 69 and we looked at each other. And I was like, oh, carry on. And I like walked through the room. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, so sex is sex. What gets you off is not going to disturb my peace. So, so why the fuck would I be disturbed by it? Like, to go off what was saying, I had a conversation with um, my best friend, actually. Like, we were in a call, we were talking, and she was like, hear me out. And I was like, I definitely feel you. I get it, because I don't judge. Um, and it's definitely a possibility. Anything is possible. As cliche and as corny as that sound, you have people that are attracted to young people or people that look younger than what they are. Right. Right. Because was definitely a thing. I think the negative connotation comes in when people start snatching kids and posting kids. Mm-hmm. In, a, in, a, in a world, in, in the great U.S. of A, the great America, you know, is demonized uh, a 
adult being with a child or what is considered the age of being an adult and what is a child because what country is that if you're tall enough at the bar you can get a drink in america you can go to the military when you're 18 but you can't get a drink in your house until you're 21 unless your parents tell you so you have all these different stipulations and all these rules and regulations made by somebody somewhere that was one person that experienced one thing and was just like, this is right, this is wrong, this is bad, this is good. I mean, you also have to remember, they have to also have to remember that America was founded by the Prudes. Like, America was, was very conservative, especially here in the South. Like, nobody's going to stray from it. But even in the Bible, didn't they have fucking child brides and shit like that? So we, we can't ignore that. Different countries, different places. Why do you why do you do you think that more Americans don't pursue the potential of moving to another country where that isn't frowned upon? Because they're Americans. Well, yeah, and I think there's there's a thing called American arrogance, right? Because I I mean I've been to over twenty five countries myself because I enjoy traveling, and for me to have like this this transformational experience moving away from New Orleans and all over the U.S. and with the military and then selling in D.C. where the quality of education is better. So we have, you know, in some ways, like people are very open-minded, like people are out and marching for, you know, Biden's win. You know, they're doing that right now. They're very inclined to, to what goes on in life and have perspective. So when I started to travel and experience outside, like I've been to Egypt, I've been to Jordan, I've been to South America, I did Machu Picchu, I've been all over the world. And the people, you know, they, they, they're they mixing emotions because a lot of Americans go to other people's country trying to treat it like America. Like you got to realize some people get hot water maybe once a week. Some people got to go oil water and, you know, take a bath out of a bucket. Do you know what it feels like to live in a third world country? Like, do you not understand how much luxury oh, you have to be American? Get a third world country with a Gucci belt on and that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because they look at Americans and they, Americans are the standard from a street cred type of thing. But if we were to drill down into like real, like money, military, we, we're not. We stay. We're, we we're inferior by a lot. Yeah. But there's, again, it's still, America is still the land of the free to the world. So people still want to seek refuge here. It's just. Trying to run from America. Look. Be like, look, I'm trying to get the, get on a first thing smoking. Shoot. I mean, but, I'll take citizenship so I can always see my family because my dad would never get on a plane. But I mean, if my dad would get on a plane, I would renounce my citizenship. Like, yeah, I mean, but in a perfect world, in a perfect world, I would have a condo in New York and a condo in London. And, and I would just marry... This is one B in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just want to travel. I want to, I want to teach. I want to impart wisdom. I would love to, I want to have conversations like this and all corners of the world, you know, with all different people, all different walks of life and culture, you know, that's, that's a big part of living to me. I feel like living is not just waking up, going to work, you know, getting some, getting some ugly chick from your high school pregnant and, you know, just following that, those footsteps that your parents deem as a, as a livable life or an acceptable life. We should be, you want to live, live an ex- exceptional life, like, 
do the shit that makes you happy. Travel, learn, learn shit, and appreciate other cultures. A lot of motherfucking people just travel just to say they traveled and to post pictures on Instagram. No, I encourage people to travel and actually embrace the culture. Don't just stay in the resort and say, ooh, I went to Bali. Like, but did you really go to Bali, my guy? Like, exactly. did you really experience Bali? Look, like, oh, I, I went to I went to I went to um, Costa Rica, but did you like go or did you only stay in the like colonized, you know, the, the westernized part where they're like doing no. the tourism shit? See, did like the street, did you have the street food from right. that put in a cart? Like that's the shit we do. Did you get right. diarrhea? Because it's gonna happen, my nigga. Did yeah. you get exposed to diarrhea? Did you cry? <laughs> did you have I had I ate the guinea pig when I was in Peru too. You gotta experience what they you gotta eat what they eat everything eating the alpaca the uh everything. All I know is when I when I was in Amsterdam when I was in Amsterdam we missed the fucking train and I had to uh, fucking sit in the train station for three hours in thirty degree weather. That shit, boy, I wanted to shoot myself in the foot. And I was like, I was like, this is what happens to no people who live here. I was like, no, because they fucking know the schedule. <laughs> I had to wait for three fucking hours, bro. That shit was. Torturous. Now I had on because you notice in all my pictures when I was in the Netherlands, I had in that fucking black cardigan and I was like huddled mm-hmm. up because it is cold as fucking. Oh my god! I did not expect that. Naturally, I did look at the weather, but not me thinking I like the cold. I'm gonna be fine. Yo, there's there's it's the land of a of a million windmills for a fucking reason because that wind fucking it sounds like a hurricane, especially at night, like three four in the morning. My God, it sounds like the wind is punching your motherfucking house. It's so crazy and it's so cold. You have to help me plan my honeymoon since you've been to Amsterdam and that's where we want to go. And I pronounce it real nasty, but I can okay. you know, I've been telling people all the time, and it Shelton actually was the one who shed this on me. Like traveling is really, really cheap. Cause like when she told me she wanted to have her honeymoon in Amsterdam, I was and I told her how much I paid for like how long I was over there. She was like, Are you fucking serious? She's like, You're gonna help me plan my shit. It is it is cheaper to travel internationally than it is to go to Miami, than it is yeah. to go to New York, than it is to go to LA. Newsflash, niggas, get out the country and stop going to Tulum and right. stop going to Miami through the same shit that a million other niggas are posting on social media. Motherfucker, if I hit the hashtag right now on Explore page to Tulum, Mexico, I guarantee it's going to be all our cousins. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be all our Literally, cousins. I went to Iceland for $75 round trip. <laughs> people don't realize people don't realize $75 round trip, I went to Iceland. You know what it is? I think a lot of people, they just look at... My passport, first of all. I don't have a passport. I think people look at the price of, like, flying from New Orleans to these destinations. No. So, like, you have to fly to an international hub first and then fly to your destination. Like, yeah, you might have to chill for, like, a day. Like, for, like, you know, I like to chill in New York. You might have to chill for a minute, but... You get your flight for so much cheaper. If I would have tried to fly to the Netherlands from New Orleans, the flight was like eleven hundred dollars. But a flight to New York was one hundred and forty, and the flight from New York to the Netherlands was three hundred. So like, yeah. <laughs> oh, but that makes so much sense. This is perfect for the next episode because you know I was talking about my brother and how he feels like he has to work, 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 hustle, 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 provide, provide, and then die. Absolutely. And you know, I'm just like. People are on Twitter. Well, there was a bubble, a space and time where people are like, oh my God, I love black women in luxury, black women in luxury, black women deserve luxury. And it's like, okay, so what about black men? They just are supposed to provide the luxury and not enjoy it. And I think that is 
I really think that's going to be an excellent episode. I do. Yeah, because that goes with the stereotype that black men are just meant to be the providers. We're not supposed to feel, we're not supposed to want for more than going to work, breaking our fucking bag, making sure our kids are fed, blah, blah, blah. But there's also goes with the stereotype with black women. Y'all are supposed to just sit there, be quiet, be strong, and, and you know suffer silently to be the pillar of the family. You know, while your nigga could be out cheating on you, you know? Like, I understand, as a black man, we do want to call attention to an ignored topic, but we're also, because black women are the most ignored and most unprotected group in society, we do want to call attention to that as well. Like, stereotypes affect both, you know, both ends. It affects every fucking body, you know? But they also, I feel, would you, would you also say, I want to, you know, devil's advocate when you say they exist for a reason? Like there are certain stereotypes. Like think about it. When you think about a typical New Orleans nigga, like a, what's this typical stereotype? You can literally name all of us can name ten people who fit that stereotype. Because when you think glorified. about, because it's what? Because it's glorified. It's, it, well, yeah. We gotta True. look at the why. We gotta look at the why. You can't. Of course, you, yes, you yes. Have to look at the why. These things exist because it's glorified. Like you, we we would desire a day that a black man can be uh, immersed in his joy, and still be deemed attractive by the black woman. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't exist. You think that'll happen, Jeracy? So that's the thing. A lot of people ask me, why am I so single? And Jeracy, you be trying to pimp me out. And one of the reasons is why I'm so single is naturally I prefer brown women. Like I love all women. All women are beautiful. I don't discriminate. But when I like, I want to be with someone brown. I need somebody who understands the plight and the experience of walking in my shoes. And yes, I feel like as a white person, you know, not saying you can't, but I feel like you you may be able to empathize, but it's just not the same. I feel like there are certain white people who fit a certain subclass. Somebody called me a racist. And I was like, if that's how you feel. But no, I, was like, I, I was like, I'll be damned. Okay, my grandma is about to be 80 years old. And 80 years ago, this is my exact tweet. 80 years ago, ain't no white person was trying to kick it with my grandma. So you really think I'm about to walk a Ethan, a Dylan, a Declan in my grandmother's house and be like, this is my little well, little, well, little racist lady. Before I was really interrupted, as I was saying, the, the reason I'm saying, I'm saying, so that, that you prefer a brown person, and but brown women, brown women don't prefer me. Brown women prefer me in theory. Brown women, they look at me and they say, "Oh, this this big nigga, he pretty. Oh, this big nigga cook." But they don't also understand like this big nigga is also in touch with his emotions. This big nigga also don't want to fucking go dance at Caribbean. And fucking ride away in New Orleans with you. This 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 big nigga has goals. This big nigga has, this nigga, this big nigga has aspirations. This big nigga wants to travel the world and fuck fuck bitches with you. Like there's so many things that I'm interested in. So many things. I'm such a diverse person, and in the black community, especially in the southern black community, that's not understood. Mm-hmm. Like there's this so Shelton. There's this one woman. Oh my god, her last name is your first name. I've had a crush on her forever. We went on this one date. Yeah, we went on this one date and you know things didn't happen. But we've been like we was like flirting and shit on like Instagram and I like asked her out on this like preemptive date. And she said yes. And I'm so excited. Because the world doesn't know, but she was my first real date. She was my first real date. Because we knew of each other from high school. Like we knew we went to high school together, but we didn't know each other in high school. So when I saw her like as adults, 
like she was, this is after I had left Texas Road, how she was working there. And it's like, I told my friend who was working there, I was like, I want her number. <laughs> and she, she got a number for me, you know, and I, I texted her and I asked her out. But she was my first date. So the fact that like the world has come full circle and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just shoot my shot. And it's like, I tweeted this before. I was like, ooh, I'm getting, I'm getting better at shooting my shot. Like, I feel like she can, she'll understand and she'll appreciate because, you know, she lived in New York. She lived in New Jersey. You know, like her mindset and her outlook is a little more open. But the average black chick is not checking for my ass. I've been in two long-term relationships, both with black women, and they both question my sexuality all throughout the relationship. And that shit is so unreal. Like, I'm literally blowing your fucking back out on a nightly basis. And But the stereotype of what a black man is is so ingrained in you from your toxic-ass daddy who... Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, that, but I'm just saying it's just uh, in general. No, don't, don't, don't put it all on the dudes because that's not act like... Uh, I know. You the moms be toxic. The women who yeah. love their sons love yeah, them exactly. in a toxic way. Exactly. Oh so yeah, the, the mothers do enabling that, but still, because it was so ingrained in them that no, my mom didn't baby. She didn't coddle me at all. But they had this idea of what a man is supposed to be. So even with spending both of these relationships over four years long, even with spending all this time with me, there was still a point that you question if I like men. Like that's so crazy that that's just like brainwashing. So I don't feel like my yeah. love. Strange that you could be with somebody in a relationship that long and question their sexuality. How can you be in a relationship with somebody that long and question their sexuality? I feel like that's outside people like whispering in the ear because there is no way in hell I could be with somebody four years or more and be thinking every other couple of days or months is this dude like like I don't think I could do that. Well, one of them sister, one of their one of the girls in question, their sister used to make comments like, "Well, a man not supposed to be pretty like that," blah, blah, blah. and she would like make oh like like it's an outside source. Because me personally, I can't be, I can't give somebody that much time and be wondering if they like me and other people. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there at the bisexual experience. You, there's no, there's no true test to really know. Cause I, I, I've, I've, I've been with some dudes who you just you can't even you can't even detect it at all. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't detect it, but if I'm thinking it like the entire time I'm in a relationship, what I'm even with you for? But if that's nothing that's giving me that feeling, then shit, I'll probably just be in the dark forever. But in March and then thinking you gay and then waking up in August and thinking you gay, then waking up in December. And if that's the case, I can get my keys and I can go. I'm not about to give you There was another one who, you know, thought that I preferred white women. Blah, blah, blah. And I used to tell her, I was like, you realize I've only been in two relationships, you and the girl before you and newsflash, y'all are both black. Granted, you know, like I dated, like I spoke with my high school girlfriend. I don't count like high school relationships and shit like that. Like, yeah, like I dated, you know, white girls back. And I grew up in fucking West Vigo. What the fuck you expect? Of course I dated white women. My first girlfriend ever was white, but she don't count in the grand scheme of... Anyway, so... <laughs> but it's... it's. I don't like it. <laughs> but... It's very unfortunate because I always say, like, I see these coochies on Twitter like whining like oh I don't I, this date was wag da 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 happened this happened and in my head I be like where y'all finding these dudes at and the reason why I say that is because 
when I was single and I was going through my whole phase, all my hoes was eight and above. They was college degree. They ain't had no kids. Like, exactly. And like, they probably like wasn't the best niggas because I was out here hoeing. Like, I wasn't worried about everything else going on in the back. But you had a car. You had a place to wash your ass. You had a good job, and you didn't have no kids. That's what I wanted. And what is it called? Well, you ever you hear that thing when people say you attract the energy you emit, but even it, further, even further from that, it's like put out. Right. And that's these whack niggas that because I've been single three months and my roster is popping. Like but if you sit there and tell yourself that all men are toxic, all men are toxic, then and you since you constantly going out dating men different men repeatedly. You're gonna keep dating toxic niggas because you already have over and over again. Right. How about keep different niggas? How about or else to find said different nigga? Like, stop going to Shamrock every night, picking up on niggas. Maybe you might want to go, you know, on Frenchman and get you an artsy nigga. Like, if you going to the same place every weekend and you getting the same thing, well, boo, it's you. That's because people fall into the mindset that they have a type. People don't like, people's like, oh, I, that's just, he's just not my type. She's just not my type. What the fuck do you mean you have a type? Yeah, you can have a preference. Like, I get it. You know, like, I, like I said, I prefer brown women, but it, I naturally, like, if I start liking a white woman, I'm not going to tell myself, oh, I can't date you. You're not white. Right. You know, like, if, if I, if I fall in love, you know, with the Asian woman, I'm not gonna tell you like, oh, I don't know. I'm gonna see you the same just because I have a preference. It doesn't block me from dating somebody else. So if you go out and you tell yourself I only like hood niggas, oh, oh, I only like, you know, I like art girls, blah blah blah. So you're putting yourself in a box. So if you tell yourself that, oh, I all these fucking toxic men, I, I keep dating, you're putting yourself in a box that you only look for toxic men. So you're going to attract the same repeated behavior, toxic motherfuckers, like just dragging you along. Like maybe you should sit down and think about like, what do I really want in a man? Like, are my standards too high? You know, are my expectations unrealistic? But motherfuckers can't step outside themselves. I yeah, I, I was like, gonna add. And I'm like, the places you going is where people with kids go. Everybody don't have kids. I know plenty of young women that got college degrees and no kids on their hips. And you like, where they at? I'm like, not where you go. <laughs> yeah, I was, to, to add to that, I was gonna just share the, the bisexual perspective on that. You know, I think, again, I, with everything I can give, I can give my experience with that. It's just that being the nerdy black guy, you know, I what a preference for uh, people of color. Uh, before anybody knew I was bi, uh, extremely re extreme rejection from the black woman, and then when you get into the LGBT space, where you get on a grinder profile and it says white only, um, white only or uh, Asian only or Latino, or they uh, overly sexualize or fetishize the black man because they think you have a big dick, um, and they only want you for your dick, and then that's it, and they want to call you that they want you the uh, treat them like they're slave in bed and reenact yeah. all kind of they crazy shit. Right in that little garage. Yeah, they and <laughs> again, it's like to be to have preferences as like a black man in general. Doesn't matter if you're into the same sex or the opposite sex. 
It's just we got to get out of this mindset that I got to do this because at the end of the day, we're blocking our own blessing and we need to be further aligned to not something that's skin deep. We need to be aligning to places like, do we like, do I actually like being around you all day? Like, right. The, it's the little things like, do I enjoy your like being present and we could be bored together. Do I enjoy those moments? Not, I think the, the pandemic had a lot of motherfuckers like look think about that. This pandemic made a lot of motherfuckers ask like, "Yo, do I even like you, my guy?" <laughs> like we've been spending all this fucking time together. Like, do I even really like fuck with you? I know, and we're gonna wrap up soon because Shelter got an adult job, so I know <laughs> he's been here for almost two hours. But I feel, I feel like first we would have to to change the, the mindset and to change the narrative that one a person has to be one way or the other to even qualify you know, for our attention and relationships and shit like that. First, we would have to have a conversation with ourselves and with our parents and with our friends and shit like that about bias, you know, about um about prejudging and, and shit like that. And do you honestly do y'all think most families, especially southern families or black families ready for some shit like that? Like outside of New Orleans, people forget that Louisiana is a very conservative. Like everybody yeah. preaches the Bible, so they're not going to go. You can't go against the word, you know. Yeah, I, like I said, Louisiana bellum. I mean, that's very much the state that we are, and it's crazy because I kind of had that conversation with my mama, and she was like, "Dang, I wish I was that free thinking when I came up," because my mama sometimes lets things really bother her. And it's human nature, things can bother you. But I had to get into a mindset of, if I can't change it, I'm gonna give it some time, I'm gonna let it hurt me, I'm gonna cry about it, I'm gonna whine about it, and then I'm gonna move on. Whereas my mom was like brought up, like this is a certain way things go, this is how you keep your man, this is how you treat your man, you know, but on a plus side, she didn't like that, so she kind of flipped it, but I told her basically, I think it's very, very small baby steps. Like people are kind of at a point where they want decency. Like you just want to be a decent human being. You want to go out the door. You want to come back home. You don't want to be bothered. Right. And so people are realizing like, hey, I grew up with all these rules and all these regulations and this is what you're supposed to do. And it's very tiresome. So I think people are kind of getting those wheels spinning like, hey, maybe if I really lived my life a little bit, I would feel a little bit better instead of doing this like this or doing this like that or doing it how somebody told me. So I think like maybe 0.03% of Southern families are ready to have that conversation. Right, but you really think that people they would have to unpack like uh, how deeply ingrained like gender roles are. Like I made a comment to my mom and my brother earlier. Like she she said something about the Bible, and I said, you know, this is an unpopular opinion. I was like, but people forget that the Bible is man written. I was like, I would never knock religion or anything like that when anybody wants to believe. I was like, but that's not written by God, you know, like. That's that's man written, and those stories are going to be twisted. They're going to be, you know, exaggerated. And for people to still be basing their lives and like their decisions on this book that has been 
quote unquote passed down for all these years is so insane to me. Like, are you literally just gonna keep living like they lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago? In this book that you know that is telling you, and I don't think that they're ready to approach that, but so being in a same sex relationship, Sheldon, do you feel like even being more lighthearted like with gender roles, do you think like that's because everybody thinks like even in a same sex relationship, one person gotta be the man, one person gotta be the woman. Like y'all are no, like the idea of being the same sex, y'all are both men. So do you think that's lighter and like there's less pressure in the So yes, I would say that being in a like a relationship with a guy has been the easiest. Uh, easiest overall. Um, sex is definitely harder because that's a whole day's worth of prep work. Unless you're over here getting shit on your dick. Which is not my thing, but hey, it is what it is. But overall, um, overall, being with a guy is easier because we understand each other and we both uh, don't... Because uh, there are those gay relationships where you know, they adopt a heteronormative, whether it's gender roles as the masculine one and the feminine one, even though they're the same sex. But in my relationship, we're both the same. Like, we're just ourselves. Like, we don't care if we fit into this mode of masculine and feminine. And a lot of times people be as, uh, they don't even know, like, they always ask who's the top and who's the bottom. Like, they want to know all that other shit. That's none of your business. Like, because at the end of the day, you're not in the bed with us. So it don't matter. It's like, the only way you're going to know that is if you're trying to get in the bed with us. So <laughs> at large, at large, we are, you know, the, the, the subscription to societal norms and gender roles don't really exist in my relationship because I mean we choose not to. I think it's all, 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 all ultimately up to choice. Yeah, I understand that. I, I don't. I don't really. But that goes to I always like crack jokes and shit like that. There's that page on Instagram, like uh, I think it's like Justin Labor or some shit like that. Yeah, he be, he be like coming for niggas who like. Make women split the rent. Yo, I'm telling you right now, either either be splitting the rent or I'm paying all the rent, you're paying all the utilities. What the fuck I look like? Okay, so I feel like the, the mindset of, you know, the man paying all the bills, blah, blah, blah. If that works for your family, if that works for your setup, that's cool. But in 2020, my nigga, do you know how expensive fucking rent is? Like, And women are making the same amount of money, if not more than men. Like... So why the fuck would we be in a relationship together, living in a house together, and you're you're just living here for free? All your money is your money? And people will be like, oh, well, what if she's cooking, cleaning, this, that, and the third? I'm a grown-ass, full-functioning adult. I can cook. I can clean. I can do all of those things myself, including make myself nut. So what the fuck? Like, why would you be – why would I just take care of you because you, you're cute and we kiss each other? No. I think it's I think that it's a fundamental step. Uh, for women be not being perceived as sub subhuman or second class citizens, because what I will say that people who bring something to the table have uh, have a voice at the table. So we're getting away from this this uh, this society where the man has to do all the talking. He has a voice because he brings in the money and feed the family. No, we have, we know that women are able. And competent, and some, in most cases, especially in D.C. now, women bring home more money than dudes. So at the end of the day, we are looking for companionship and people to be our equals these days. So I don't mind splitting the rent. 
And yeah. even even right now, me and Poppy together, we split the rent. I mean, we split the mortgage. My bad. We don't do that anymore. We split the mortgage because I think for us, it's not just, oh, you paying mortgage. It's like we both equally yoke each other in the same way. And we don't want we don't want one to be carrying a, a workload more than the other, even though we both can pay for all of the mortgage ourselves. We it, we enjoy the fact that we're both independent and we're both ourselves and independent. And we both love meeting each other halfway because that's when we're our best together. Yes. And on that note, <laughs> uh, shout and tell, tell the people where they can find you on social media. Uh, oh, yeah. So on social media, um, you can find me on my personal blog, which is at Smallwood Life, uh, at Smallwood Life. But my, most of the time, it's just from my, my business page where I post all of my photography at Smallwood Holdings LLC. Uh, on Instagram, all of them are the same for Instagram, Tumblr, all you name it, all of the same ad names. Yes, that's what we want. Shelton's actually a fire ass photographer. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do some shit when I make it. I'm I'm coming to DC. My first two trips, like once I feel safe traveling again, is I have to I have to go to Vegas. I have to visit my homie out there, and I have to make it to DC finally because and then fuck America. <laughs> I want to go everywhere. You have you have any uh, closing thoughts, Bula? Um, not this week. I don't. I think it's because I'm a little delusional, but I don't have any fucking remarks. <laughs> well, I, I got a problem for that. I do puppy postpartum. My puppy is like nonstop, and he got me delusionally tired, if you can say that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine <laughs> I understand well my final thoughts is okay stereotypes exist uh, there are people who fit into that mode be it like Sheldon said be that lifestyle is glorified you don't have to fit into a box you can define who you are what you're interested in your trajectory in life no one can no one can decide that but you um, although representation was scarce coming up growing up we live in a time now where literally you can turn on any tv any streaming platform or go on social media and see someone who looks like you who sounds like you who you feel acts like you so we're finally reaching the point where but I think about it, fucking Kamala Harris was just, you know, vice president-elect. Like, that's showing little girls, little colored girls everywhere that that's achievable. Like, like you can you can, you can, can dream big. The sky literally is the limit. So I want everybody to adapt that mindset. I want everybody to understand, you know, it's okay to settle down, break yourself down, isolate problems, identify, move forward, and figure some shit out. As always, we love you, and until next week. Yes, until next time. Peace.